This is CPX number 101, the 10th commandment. We are in the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, a.k.a. CPX, page 128 to 129, just question and answer number 1 through 4. God give you his peace, and omni patris, affidit, spiritu santi, amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who art present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us, and save us, you who are all good, amen. In nomine Patris, Sifidit, Spiritu Sancti, Amen. The Tenth Commandment, number one, what does the Tenth Commandment, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods forbid? Answer the Tenth Commandment, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods forbids the wish to deprive another of his goods and the wish to acquire goods by unjust means. Number two, why does God forbid even the desire of another's goods? Answer, God forbids the unregulated desire of another's goods because he wishes us to be just, even in thought and will, and to hold ourselves completely aloof from unjust acts. Number three, what does the Tenth Commandment command? Answer, the Tenth Commandment commands us to be satisfied with the state in which God has placed us, and to bear poverty patiently should God have placed us in that condition. Number four, how can a Christian be content in a state of poverty? Answer, a Christian can be content in a state of poverty by reflecting that our greatest good is a pure and peaceful conscience, that our true home is heaven, and that Jesus Christ made himself poor for love of us and has promised a special reward to those who bear poverty patiently. Thus are the words of the saintly Pope. And now, as we finish the Ten Commandments, I would like to read you from the Catechism Stories of the Society of Pope St. Pius X. This is titled, A Mission is Coming, Be Prepared to Enter the Room. This is a meditation on the Ten Commandments and essentially an examination of conscience It begins, Once upon a time, Blessed Raymond of Capua, the spiritual director of St. Catherine of Siena, was doubting the special favors granted to St. Catherine, so he put her to the test, asking for the favor of feeling a great and extraordinary contrition for his sins. He knew that when contrition for sin rises up in our hearts, this is always a great sign of the grace of God. The devil would never grant such a request. The next day, as he was talking to the saint, There came before his mind an unusual vision of his sins such that the cataracts of my flinty heart were loosed and fountains of water overflowed to lay bare the depths of my sins. I burst into tears so violently that, I say it with shame, I I almost felt my heart would break. Catherine, in her wisdom, having come for this very purpose, no sooner saw the state I was in than she stopped talking and let me go on crying and sobbing. After a while, still crying... I began to wonder about this strange event, and then I remembered what I had asked her for the previous evening, and the promise she had made. Is this the contrition I asked for yesterday, I said? It is, she replied, and getting up, and if I remember rightly, tapping me on the shoulder, she said, Never forget the graces of God. St. Catherine had a way about her of making people remember their sins. What if this same grace were granted to us? What would it be like? Imagine finding yourself... In a certain room. I found myself in the room. There were no distinguishing features save for the one wall covered with small index card files. They were like the ones we used to find in libraries listing titles by author or subject in alphabetical order, but these files, which stretched from floor to ceiling and seemingly endlessly in either direction, had very different headings. As I drew nearer the wall of files, The first to catch my attention was one that read, 
people I have liked. I opened it and began flipping through the cards. I quickly shut it, shocked to realize that I recognized the names written on each one. And then in a flash, I knew exactly where I was. This lifeless room, with its small files, was a crude catalog system of my life. There were written the actions of my every moment, big and small, in a detail my memory couldn't match. A sense of wonder and curiosity coupled with horror stirred within me as I began randomly opening files and exploring their content. Some brought joy and sweet memories, others a sense of shame and regret so intense that I would look over my shoulder to see if anyone was watching. A file named Friends was next to one marked Friends I Have Betrayed. The titles covered everything and were exact. Books I have read. Lies I have told. Consolation I have given. Jokes I have laughed at. Things I have done in anger. Things I have muttered under my breath. I never ceased to be surprised by the contents. Often there were many more cards than I expected. Alas, other times there were fewer than I hoped. I was overwhelmed by the sheer volume of the life I had lived. Could it be possible that I had the time in my thirty years to write each of these thousands or even millions of cards? But each card confirmed this truth. Each was written in my own handwriting, each signed with my own signature. When I pulled out the file marked Songs I Have Listened To, I realized the files grew to contain their contents. The cards were packed tightly, and yet, after two or three yards, I hadn't found the end of the file. I shut it, shamed, not only by the quality of music, but also by the vast amount of time I knew that file represented. Nearby, I saw the file bearing the title, Time I Have Spent in Prayer. The handle was brighter than those around it, newer, almost unused. I pulled on its handle and a small box, not more than three inches long, fell into my hands. I could easily count the cards it contained. When I came to a file marked, Lustful thoughts and actions, I felt a chill run through my body. I pulled the file out only an inch, not willing to test its size, and drew out a card. I shuddered at its detailed content. I felt sick to think that such a moment had been recorded. An almost animal rage broke upon me. One thought dominated my mind. No one must ever see these cards. No one must ever see this room. I have to destroy them. In a frenzy, I yanked the file out. Its size didn't matter now. I had to empty it and burn the cards. But as I took it at one end and began pounding it on the floor, I could not dislodge any cards. I became desperate and pulled out a single card with great effort, only to find it as strong as steel when I tried to tear it. Defeated and utterly helpless, I returned the file to its slot, leaned my forehead against the wall, and let out a long, self-pitying sigh. I cried out, no one must ever, ever know of this room. I must lock it up and hide the key. But then I saw someone come in. I knew immediately it was the Lord. I watched helplessly as he began to open the files and read the cards. I couldn't bear to watch. And in the moments I could bring myself to look at his face, I saw a deep sorrow. He seemed to go intuitively to the worst boxes. Why did he have to read every one? Finally, he turned and looked at me with compassion in his eyes from across the room. I dropped my head, covered my face with my hands, and then the sorrow came. 
I began to weep. I fell on my knees and cried. I cried out of sorrow, and from the overwhelming shame of it all, I wept for having offended God so deeply. He walked over and said, Be of good heart, son. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Then he got up and walked back to the wall of files. Groaning, he started at one end of the room and, one by one, began to sign his name over mine on each card in an ink that was a rich, dark red. The name of Jesus covered mine. It was written with his blood. I don't think I'll ever understand how he did it so quickly, but the next instant, it seemed I heard him close the last file and walk back to my side. He placed his hand on my shoulder and said, It is finished. Your sins are forgiven you. Arise. Go and sin no more. I stood up, and he led me out of the room. There were still cards to be written.